Welcome to the Solo Entertainer's Blueprint for Success podcast. My name is Rick Bell, and they call me the Gig Coach. I'm a full-time professional solo entertainer, playing over 300 paid gigs every year with a unique combination of live guitar and vocals, DJ music blended in, and sing-along and karaoke on demand. This podcast is for anyone who wants to become a successful professional entertainer. Maybe you're a musician who's stuck with a band that's going nowhere, and you've wondered if you could be successful doing a solo thing. What do you need to know to pull that off? Maybe you're a solo performer sitting on a stool playing guitar and singing, all the time wondering why no one pays much attention to you or your music, and why no one wants to pay you much to do it. Or... Maybe you're a singer who loves to get up and sing at local karaoke nights, and you've wondered if you could actually earn a living with music, but you have no idea where to even start to build a singing career. Or maybe you want to be a DJ who has enough gigs to be able to quit a day job and play full-time. If any of this sounds familiar to you, stay tuned for this episode entitled, Are You Playing for the Audience? or for your music peers. I had a message this weekend. I was playing one of the weddings that I do. on Most Saturdays are taken up with weddings because the, the money is so good with weddings when I, I play those. And this text came in while I was setting up for the, for the wedding from someone I had coached before, a professional guitarist and singer. He's quite good. Lives in Florida, and she wrote, me this and hello how are you doing haven't heard from you in a while hope you're doing well quote i'm thinking of incorporating some backing tracks to a few of my songs is the band in the box the way to go or should i just buy a few tracks and play them through my ipad i have never used tracks before because it seems so quote karaoke unquote to me but it seems to be what people want and they like. I prefer live music myself, but I might need to step up my game if I want to get in more venues. Well, let me speak directly to that. She's right. It is what people want, and it's what they like. If you want to do this and you want to be successful and have places to play, you are going to have to play what the audience is wants and what they're going to respond to. Now, there are many reasons why track music performance is an absolute must. That's pretty much a blanket statement in, in today's entertainment market, and I'm just going to make it. If you think you're going to be able to take your guitar and sit on a stool and play songs and sing, you're going to have a really tough time doing that and staying consistently booked unless you are very, very good, uh, a great guitarist and a great singer, and then you're, you're still going to struggle against, I'll just say it, against DJs in your market. DJs, because they offer a variety that... You simply cannot offer. I don't care how great a guitarist you are. I happen to be a very good guitarist. I've been playing since I was six years old, and I'm really a good lead guitarist. 
I play by ear. I read music. I can I can play pretty much anything, any style. But that doesn't get me booked and keep me booked. It's the ability to incorporate track music along with my performance. And that's what really the this podcast is about is showing you how to take the skills, the talent that you already have and take it to the next level where you can possibly earn a living, a very good living, actually, performing for people. So let's talk about the title of this this episode. Are you performing for the audience or for your music peers? We all have a kind of a built-in desire, if you will, to please our peers. We want to be accepted. Everyone has a need to feel accepted by the uh, the people in their industry or the, their heroes, maybe, the people they look up to. And I will relate to you a story when I was um, a martial arts instructor. I taught martial arts for my entire working career. That's what I did for, aside from I was a, a police officer for a period of 10 years. But in that time, I also taught martial arts at night as a, a part-time thing for extra income because police officers don't make that much money. But all of that time, uh, something occurred to me. I came through traditional martial arts training in a style called Taekwondo. And some of you may have heard of that style. It's very traditional. And we were trained to do the way it had been done, the art, for hundreds of years. The only problem was I was noticing a, a shift in the the way martial arts was what people wanted in martial arts. They wanted a more practical application of martial arts versus the strict traditional way that we had been taught. In fact, this was during the time where kickboxing was coming on the scene, and I was real interested in kickboxing, the actual application of using the martial arts against an opponent in a ring full contact. So it occurred to me one day in my martial arts school, I was teaching students this traditional stuff, and someone said, why can't we learn the, the new things, uh, the new ways of kicking and, and punching and, and doing this kickboxing thing? And I said, well, it's because we've never done it that way. And boy, the light went off for me. And I realized the way I'd been teaching was to stay in the good graces and the approval of my fellow martial arts instructors who taught the same way I did. Because if I began to deviate from that, well, they would, they would criticize me. And when I did deviate from it, they basically ostracized me and kind of kicked me out of the organization, if you will, which was the best thing that ever happened to me because at that point, I stopped trying to conform to the way things had always been done and adapted a new way of doing things that took me uh, to a great, successful career as a professional martial artist. I ended up being a champion, undefeated kickboxer, and all of that's on it's on my website. It's on the Internet. You can look and find Rockin' Rick Bell, and I think there's a picture of me with my championship belt out there. But I said all that just to say in music, how does that translate? The thing, the hardest thing that I ever did musically... And I've done a lot of things, went to college for music, didn't want to go, but my family insisted that I go and study something. So I said, the only thing I liked was music. Uh, so I went and studied music 
and the light went off there for understanding music theory and things. But the hardest thing I've ever done musically is getting my mind around playing, performing with track music instead of a band, instead of a live band. Because I was always worried what my fellow musicians were going to think or say about me firing my band and performing with track music. Now, they they respect me because I'm a very good guitarist. And I, again, can play any style pretty much that there is. Um, and I taught guitar for a long time. So when you teach, you become quite good at at things. I'm also a good vocalist. I won uh, some awards, vocalist of the year, male vocalist of the year, and some other things. So I'm good at at what I do, but I was concerned when I began to work with track music. Now, let me tell you how I began to do this and why I set out to be have a solo career versus playing in a band. I've been in bands since I was 12 years. I think it was 12 we got our first little band together, you know, local neighborhood kids. And we, at 14, played our first gig and were successful. I mean, the kids loved us. And that's all that mattered, you know, when you're a kid, if your friends love you. And I all of a sudden went from being invisible on the school campus, it's a fairly large school, to being the big guy on campus because I was the guitar player. Well, I knew at that that point I wanted to do music for the rest of my life. It was my epiphany, my first one. So as I grew up, I, I played in bands, continued to play, and I loved to play the guitar. All I wanted to do was play the guitar. I didn't care about singing. I ended up by default having to be the singer in most all of the bands I was in because I was if not the best singer, one of them, one of the best singers in all of the bands I was ever in. And I could sing harmonies, but I never cared about singing. All I wanted to do was play the guitar. So as time went on, I developed, I had some bands that were fairly successful. And the last band that I had was a really successful, what we call show band. And this was started in the early 90s, and I carried that band on until mid-2000s. I was going to Las Vegas during the, the uh, that time for the martial arts business. I was doing my band part-time, and I still had my day job, which was martial arts. By this time, management. I'd moved into managing several, uh, a large company that managed about a 1,000 martial arts schools around the United States and some in the U.K. So it was a big deal, and I was uh, the head of that company. And that took me to Las Vegas several times a year for conventions. All of the, you know, any convention always takes place in Vegas. So I was out there for business conventions and I started to go to the lounges on my off time and, and watch the performers because I love music, of course. The, the most interesting and entertaining um, activities I found in Vegas were solo performers. Boy, this piqued my interest. I saw people who I couldn't leave their show. I would have to watch everything they were doing because it just intrigued me so. One day I was sitting in the, there's a casino called New York, New York in Las Vegas. And there is a, a bar inside there called the Big Apple Bar. I don't know if it's still there. I haven't been back to the to New York, New York, it, to that part in a long time. But it used to be called the Big Apple. 
And I was sitting there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I think it was on a Wednesday or something, middle of the week. The place was packed because it was a piano bar. And there was a guy and a girl dueling pianos in there, playing and singing the same songs over and over. Brown-Eyed Girl, Margaritaville, Don't Stop Believing, all the songs, you know, Friends in Low Places. They were doing these songs, and the crowd was going nuts and loving it, and it was packed. I had the last seat in the house, and I sat there on a napkin, uh, a napkin and a, a pen, and I started thinking, this is what people want. They want entertainment. They don't care if there's a band or if it's one person or two people. They want entertainment. And I sat there at that table, and I had an epiphany, and that was I was going to learn somehow to transition from my band. I didn't want to do my day gig. I, I Who wants to do that? I was so burnt out on that whole corporate thing and, and going to work in, in an office and meeting with people and I didn't even like. I wanted out of that. So I started devising a way to put together an act that I could do as a solo and not have to have a band. There are so many reasons you don't want to have to, to deal with a band. Let me let me run over a few of them. This is what I call my top seven reasons for not doing a band. First is to keep a band together is very difficult because the best players, the best musicians are always in high demand and they're going to be hard to pin down to your dates as few dates as you may have. Second reason not to have a band and to try to develop a solo show is personal issues. The band players, members are almost always, without exception, all the bands I was ever in, had people with issues, wife issues, girlfriend issues, boyfriend issues, husband issues, kid issues, babysitter issues, things that ju it just complicates and brings drama into your life. The third reason a band is difficult to to have success with is time availability. People work jobs, and they have to fit the rehearsals and the gigs in around their time, and their time availability just may not be there when, when everyone else is, is, is. Fourth reason is travel restrictions. Several you know, bands I've been in, the, the, the players just couldn't travel. So you were limited to a small geographic area to perform, and that's going to limit your, uh, your options as far as performances. The fifth reason, egos. Need I say more? <laughs> the ego struggles that occur in bands between the good players sometimes and the not-so-good players or whatever – it will just take all the fun, suck the fun out of out of being in a band and doing that whole thing. The sixth reason is the dividing the pay. You're going to split that pay up four ways, five ways, six ways, however many members are in the band, based on what what you and this is typically what you typically are paid. The seven seventh reason is there are fewer gigs for bands than there are for solo entertainers. Now, you notice I keep using the word entertainer, not performer, a solo entertainer, because to make any of this work, you have to be an entertainer. And that's what all of my teaching series is about, teaching you how to do what I've done and become a, an entertainer. So those are seven reasons why I wanted out of the band thing and wanted to do the solo. Back to the um, New York, New York casino, 
Big Apple Lounge, middle of the day, and I'm scribbling on this napkin, and I, I knew that some of the solo acts I had seen in Las Vegas had me sit in, and I play guitar, of course, and and I sat in and played some songs and sang, and we would talk after the, the gig. You know, I'm always hanging out, talking to the musicians, and they would say, man, are you a solo act? And, and no, I, I have them with a band. They were saying, why? You need to start doing track music and get rid of the band, and it will allow you to do a lot more variety of music. And I thought, oh, well, that's, I don't know if I feel comfortable, you know, standing up there doing, quote, karaoke music with a um, guitar. And they said, well, if you want to write your own ticket and make a living doing this, that would be the next thing I would think about doing. Fast forward two or three years later, and I'm still struggling with the band and doing, trying to keep that all working. And I had a major life change, and that was I went through a divorce and it's amazing how things will change for you when out of the blue things pop up that you weren't expecting. You had your life kind of set. Well, that caused me to reevaluate several things. And one of the things I reevaluated was the band that I had, the singer was my ex-wife. Well, she was my wife at the time, but soon to be my ex-wife. And my gosh, the problems with all of that, I just don't even want to get into it. But it was a, it became a nightmare. It became a nightmare. So that motivated me to step out of the band situation and into a solo thing. And it was the best thing I ever did. All of a sudden, I was only depending on me to show up and perform, and I didn't have to depend on anyone else. And that one move that I made to full-time solo performance about mm, 15 or 18 years ago now, nearly about 15 years ago, changed everything for me. And I can tell you that once you cross the bridge and no longer worry what your musician friends are going to say or how they are going to criticize you for shifting into a solo act with tracks, the sooner you can cross that bridge in your mind, the better off you're going to be. It doesn't matter what they think. It matters what the person who's going to write you a check for five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, twelve hundred dollars. Those are the kinds of checks you'll you can earn as a good solo performer. I'm not talking about playing for tips and putting a tip jar out. I'm talking about people paying you good money where you don't have to have a day job. I do this six days and nights a week. I perform. That's all I do. I'm not anything special. Yeah, I play the guitar. I sing. There are better guitar players. There are a lot better singers than me. But I have something they don't have. I've built an act that entertains people. And I'm in such demand that I literally turn down gigs constantly. I have to because I have resident gigs that I do every week and have done for years. And I couldn't, I mean, the money is, it's really good. And again, we'll talk more about that at different times. I don't like to get into money too much, but just suffice to say, this is, this is a good thing. 
If you learn how to entertain, their market for entertainment is unlimited. People don't need another guitar player, and they don't need another person on a stool with a guitar singing their songs or singing cover songs. That's that's walk-by background music. That, As a club owner told me one time, I never forgot it, he used this phrase. He said, the only people I will hire in here, and he had a very nice venue, live music venue. He said, the only people I'm interested in hiring are entertainers who are relevant to the evening. He said, if they're just going to be there and play music, they're irrelevant. They are irrelevant because I can turn on my iPad for background music. If I'm going to have live music in here, I need them to be relevant. I need them to make an impact in the room. I need them to, this is the club owner, the venue owner, very successful one telling me this. I need them to be unique and entertaining. I don't just need live music for the sake of having live players on stage. He and I speak the same language. Uh, It's all about the entertainment. It's not about just playing music because a lot of people will play music and they'll do it for uh, little or nothing. They'll do it for free, basically, just to get the ego rush of being on stage. And that hurts the profession overall. A lot of people are out there playing before they are ready to play. But remember, don't worry about playing so much for your musician friends or what they are going to think. You are going to have to reinvent yourself. If you've been a longtime band performer or if you're a solo player who's been doing the acoustic guitar thing, trying to play live, that's great. You may be really good at that. Unfortunately, that just doesn't get and hold people's attention these days. It probably did 15 years ago. It probably did to a degree a lot more 10 years ago. But now we live in a smartphone world. If you're in the entertainment industry, you're competing with everyone's smartphone. And the minute they check out of your performance, they're gone. There are some ways to keep them hooked and keep them turned on, but you're not going to do it with playing an instrument and singing live. You're going to have to have track music that you perform with that has the horn parts and has the string parts and has the special keyboard parts that they are used to hearing on the songs on the radio. They're just used to hearing that. And if it's not there, here's what they're going to do. They're going to give you about 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. They're going to listen and go, oh, he's good, or she's good. Hey, where are we going next? <laughs> because you are it's not good enough to hold their attention. It has to be something close to the radio, unless you're Ed Sheeran or something, and you're up there, and you're, you're already a star. That's a different thing. But when you're trying to, to entertain people, you're not going to do it with original songs. Let me say that again. You are not going to hold anyone's attention with your original songs. They're going to have to be cover songs, and they're going to have to sound something close to what they're used to listening to on the radio. That's that's a fact. Let me tell you about original stuff. I, I write songs. I've been writing songs for since the 80s. Man, I wrote songs. I had them published in Nashville. I didn't ever have, I never had any cuts from major artists. 
because I figured out that that was a long-term game. And I didn't want to sit there and starve for five or ten years like people I know that did that just to get a cut on an album for the chance that they may make some some good money. I instead turned to writing jingles, which was instant pay gratification. I needed the instant income. That's what made me excited. So I wrote. I did all of that. I've been a writer for many, many years. But let me tell you what Elton John said not long ago. Elton John, Sir Elton John, he's do, he does a Las Vegas show. It's a residency there at one of the places. And you know, two hundred dollar tickets, three hundred, whatever they are, they're they're expensive. And this is what Elton John said in an interview about original music. He said that he and his manager always know when the audience is going to get up and walk out and go for a bathroom break or whatever. And he said, it's always when I say, here's a new song I'm writing. Here's a new song I just wrote. Here's a new song. Anything new, Elton John said, they completely check out. And he looks at his manager and watches about a third of the audience stand up and walk out in the the deal. They out into the um, lobby. The audience wants to hear the hits. This is Elton, Sir Elton John saying this. The audience only wants the hits. They are there to hear the hits. They don't care about the new music, even if it's Elton John's. A new artist is greatly aided by the radio. The radio programs people to listen to new songs by repetition over and over and over. If you don't have that, if you don't have that kind of repetition for your music, the crowd's not going to adapt to it in time to make a difference for your live performance. So I say all that just to say that to be successful as an entertainer, you are going to need to do cover music and you're going to need to do it, work with tracks, pre-recorded band tracks that have the guitar removed or that's a, that's a whole subject we'll get into and talk about in further episodes. But this is the gig coach. Rick Bell, they they call me Rockin' Rick Bell. And the one thing I want to, to remind you and to leave you with is this. If you want to be at the top of the game, if you want them to remember your name, you must learn to entertain. See you down the road. This is the Gig Coach.